How many of you like games, sports, games? America is a, a country of games, aren't we? I mean, we love it. We love football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, badminton, chess, backgammon. We love games on the Internet. We love gaming uh, on every kind of avenue. We love it. We, that's just kind of who we are as a people. And as long as uh, the games aren't taking you away from God or your family or it costs you money you don't have. It's, it's a positive thing, a positive distraction sometimes in a world that can be pretty rough. But I think you would agree with me today that when someone plays games with your life, that's not good. And to play games with God is not a good thing. We're in Genesis 4 today, and we're starting a series, a three-week series called First Kid. We just finished the first couple about these boys' mom and daddy a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to look the next three weeks primarily at the, the villain, the first son, the first kid named Cain. And I want to ask you this question, ask myself this question, and it's certainly true about Cain, but are we playing games with God? Are you playing games with your life with God? Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're just exploring or you're an atheist and someone has gotten you to come. That is so great. We're so glad you're here. I, I don't really think you're playing games with God. The ones that, who struggle with this are people who are Christians are ones who profess to be Christians. And I think you would agree that even the thought of playing games with God is not good. I want us to look at some characteristics of our, our villain in this story that are so true today, thousands of years later. So explore them for yourself. Examine yourself. Here's the first thing. Are you giving God less than your best? People who play games with God don't give God their best. Verse 1 through 5 of chapter 4. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd when he cultivated the ground, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was the time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from the flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but verse 5, but he did not accept Cain and his gift, and this made Cain very Angry. I mean, literally, Cain was hot. We're going to look more at that next week. And he looked dejected. Now, for thousands of years, probably, preachers and theologians have argued, why did God accept Abel's offering and not accept Cain's offering? I've heard a lot of theories. Here's a common theory. Well, God wants blood sacrifices, and Abel brought a blood sacrifice, and Cain didn't. He brought Fruits from the ground, labor's produce. Well, here's the problem with that. There's two problems. One is this doesn't say they were bringing a sacrifice as they were presenting an offering. And you could present a, a grain offering just like you could an animal offering. But also the idea of an animal or blood sacrifice had not been introduced in the Bible yet. So for us to say that, we're assuming that they knew something the Bible says that they didn't know. I don't think that is it. I have actually heard some preachers say, well, it was just a random choice. God closed his eyes and said, Abel, I like, and Cain, I don't like. That makes about as much sense as a lot of dumb things make sense. 
Hebrews 11.4 gives us a little bit of a clue to it. Hebrews 11.4, way over in the New Testament, says it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. God showed his approval of the gifts. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Fundamentally, Abel's heart was in the right place. That's going to be the key to everything the rest of the story versus Cain. But I want you to look back at their offerings. In verse 3, it says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. In other words, he said, Well, we're supposed to offer something, so let's just get some. Let's take it down there, and let's just give it to him. But look in verse 4. It's a distinctly different attitude and mindset. Abel also brought a gift, just like Cain brought a gift. He brought the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gifts. In other words, when it came to God, here's what Abel said, God deserves my very best. God doesn't deserve the leftovers. I don't pick what I want and what I don't want, I take it to God. God's going to get the first, from the first I have, it's literally the fattest lambs. He's going he's to get the best of what I have, and I'm going to take it to God. And God said, Abel, that is awesome. And Cain said, I'm just going to gather what I can and take it there and dump it off at the church or whatever, and it'll all be good. And it absolutely was not. Folks, a, a first sign that you and I are playing games with God is we, we don't give God the best of what we have. We give Him what's left over or what we don't have or what fits into our scheme or our plans. Let's talk about money first. Just for a very brief second, don't hyperventilate. We won't be on money, but just a second. I mean, this was an offering. It was given an offering to God. You give offerings to God. It's a true story. A very courageous and dumb pastor, in my opinion, years ago in a small church had a very wealthy lady in his church. They were getting ready to build a new building. She came up to him after church and gave him a $50 check for the new building. Here's what he said to her. Ma'am, if that's a sacrifice for you, if you're giving sacrificially, God is going to honor that. She grabbed the check back and tore it up. She came back a week later. She wrote a check for $500. He took the check, looked at it, and said, Ma'am, if that's a sacrifice for you, God will honor that sacrifice. She grabbed it back and tore it up again. Two weeks later, this time, she comes back with $5,000. Same scenario. Ma'am, if this is a sacrifice for you, God will honor it. She took the check back, tore it up. Everybody knew she was going to get mad and go to the church across the street and give all her money there. Two weeks later, on a Monday morning, she came in the pastor's office with a check for $50,000. She gave it to him, and she, she said, Pastor, this represents a sacrifice for me. Now, I want to tell you this morning, God's not looking. This is interesting. God's not looking financially at the size of your gift. He's looking at the size of the sacrifice. You remember the story of the widow's mite? How many of you remember that? Some of you like it because you think you can give a penny and God's pleased. That's not the moral of that story at all. The moral of that story is God saw rich people throwing in the, the big bucks, and then he saw a little lady come by and put a penny, and he said, she's given more because that's a true sacrifice. When it comes to your financial giving, don't give God what's left over Give God your best, but it goes way beyond that. What about your what about your time? Man, thank you for being here this morning. I mean that with the, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for coming to church. That's a right priority. You need to be in church on Sunday. We live in a world today where church on Sunday is is become optional, and I'm talking about between people who 
people who profess to be Christians. If it fits in, if we're not too tired, if we don't have this going on or that going on, we'll go to church. That's not what God wants. God wants you to say, one day a week, I'm giving it to him. That's what he asked for. What, what about your time daily? Do you, do you have time to pray and read your Bible? Hmm. If you're too busy to pray and read your Bible daily or to go to church weekly, you're probably too busy. Someone said love is not only spelled L-O-V-E, it's spelled T-I-M-E, and I believe that. Do you, are you giving God of the best of your time? What about your service and your efforts? I, I have pastored church of 20 members, and this church has about 2,000. And, and Jesus said it years, 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, pray for workers because the harvest is great. Linnea, we need workers, don't we? We always need workers. And you know what I found out? No matter how small or big the church is, you know what you're always praying for? God, please may people help us. we got so much going on. And I understand we're all busy. But, you know, if, if you're a Christian, you need to be plugged in in a church, help in some way to make it a little bit better. God's gifted you, called you to do that. I want to ask you this morning, are, are we playing games with God? And, and it begins with this, we give God less than our best. St. Bernard is a dog, but St. Bernard also was a famous Catholic priest. He was so famous, he became a saint. St. Bernard, listen to this, this is a great quote. If you're taking notes, write this down. The measure of my love for God is to love God without measure. Man, isn't that good? The measure of my love for God is not how pompous I am religiously. It's how sacrificially and wholeheartedly I love God. The measure of my love for God is to love God without measure. Here's the second question this this morning. Are we being careless with God? Are we being careless with God? And the things of God. See, Cain was a gamer and not in a good sense. He was a player and not in, not in the sports sense. He was a player. He played God. He thought he played God. You never play God. Look at verse 3 and 4 again. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. It, they, they must have known they were supposed to do this, and they must have known there was a place to bring it to. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs, from his flock, and the Lord accepted Abel's gifts. You know what you see here? You see intent, you see specificity in Abel. In other words, when it came to God, he wasn't going to be careless on how he gave and what he did. He wasn't careless, apparently, how he cultivated his heart. Where Cain, on the other hand, Cain, on the other hand, when it came to God and the things of God, you know, we're supposed to go do this. Let's just fulfill our duty, and then we will be done. I want to ask you this morning, are you being careless with God and the things of God? Again, you go back to things of how we pray, how we read our Bible, how conscientious we are in our obedience. And you go, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not rebellious. I'm just a little careless. Carelessness needs to disaster. When I was growing up, kids cut old people's yards. Are any of y'all old enough to remember that? Now, professional people cut people's yards, right? Kids cut people's yards. And this is not in my sermon notes, but it came out in the first sermon. It's kind of therapeutic, bitterness toward my father. We would, he would get me these jobs making no money at all, killing myself, cutting people's yards, trying to encourage me to go to college, I think. And I remember when I was 11 years old, I cut a yard that literally took 11 hours to cut, a 10 or 11, and I got $10, 10 or $11. Is that not crazy? 
that broke every child labor law there was on the books, probably. But anyway, a friend of mine was cutting yards. He was careless in every area of his life. He goes and cuts these people's yards. He's not being mean. He's not being vicious. He goes and cuts their yards. He just didn't check his lawnmower. He had it on the lowest possible setting, what you would cut a golf green with. He scalped the yard. I mean, I still remember 40 years later driving by there, scalped the yard. Guess what? He never cut anybody's yard in that neighborhood again. And he wasn't malicious. He was just careless. Are you being careless with God? Are you careless in how you give and how you witness and how you morally are are following Christ? Are you being careless with God and the things of God? Someone said one tree can produce a million matches, but one careless person with one match can destroy A million trees. That's true, isn't it? Are you careless in your relationship with God? Here's the third thing this morning. Are we we insincere in our worship? Is our worship of God insincere? Obviously, these all go hand in glove. Let's look at verse 3 through 5 again. When it was time for the harvest, this is a worship time. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel brought a gift, the best. He brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gifts, but he did not accept Cain and his gifts. This made Cain very angry, very hot. Again, this is an offering. It's an act of worship. They're worshiping God. Abel's sincere. Cable, Cable, I called him Cable in the second, first service. Cable is Cain and Abel's middle brother that you don't know in the Bible. If you hear me say that the next two weeks, that's, uh, you only know that if you're a preacher. It's real deep stuff. I want to look at Hebrews 11, 4 again as we look at the worship. It was by faith Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. He was worshiping God from a good spot and a good heart. It's, it's kind of interesting. First John 3, way over at the end of the New Testament. First John 3, 2, look what it says about Cain. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. He killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. Evil Cain. Wow. Hey, let me tell you something this morning. I am so much into people when we sing. If you're, you raise your hands, you, you can say amen in the sermon. It will not hurt you. It will help me. It will not, did you hear me? Say amen. Thank you. It will not hurt you. It's a positive thing. And I'm not going to fish for it because that's weird. That's like saying, am I cute? Am I cute? Am I cute? That's weird. I'm not going to do that. If you can tell me I'm cute if you think so after the service. Riley Patterson, you can tell me that, can't you? It's my granddaughter, so I'm saying that. I don't even know where I am now, Linnea, where we were talking about worship, something about. <laughs> you can't hate people and worship God. Don't argue the Bible with me. Don't raise your hands and worship and sing, and you've got hate in your heart towards other people. You can't do that. It, does not, it doesn't work. You can't be right with God. And upside down with other people. What is worship? Let's, let's clarify that. Is, is worship singing? Can be. Is it preaching? It can be. Is it the offering? It should be. Is it the invitation? It can be. People for years have got off on worship being the type of songs you sang. You remember that stuff? If it's a 
If it's a hymn, that's worship. Oh, no, no, it's got to be a chorus. And those two in heaven, they're going to have to sing opposite songs for like a thousand years. No, but worship's how you dress, isn't it? I mean, if you really are worshiping, you wear a suit and a tie. The flip side of that, no, if you really worship, you wear jeans or shorts or whatever. This is a true story. In my previous church, we, in prayer meeting, we we're having a discussion time. Discussion times are always dangerous, correct? Fifty people in there, and this is in the, in the mid-1990s, and church music style is changing, and dress is changing. People are coming to our church wearing shorts and things like that, and that's making some people uncomfortable. And so one of the men, I mean, this is a, a wonderful, 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 I mean, the, one of the best kind of guys you could have. He, he, the older man, he said, Chris, he goes, back in the Depression, if you don't know what the Depression was, that's not something your grandmama had and needs Prozac for. That was, that was something that took place back in the 30s when the country was in bad shape. And he said during the Depression, everybody was very poor. And the pastor preached a sermon out of, out of uh, one of the books of the law in the Old Testament where they were getting ready to meet God on the mountain. And that they were told to wash their clothes and be cleaned up and their clothes to be spick and span by the time they got to, to, to meet God at the mountain. And here's what he said. He goes, that passage tells us we should wear our Sunday best to church. And I said, well, Bill, that passage also told them they were not supposed to have sex for three days before they met God on the mountain. Do we need to enforce that about church attendance too? And everybody in that room went, (gasps) but it's in the Bible. So I would tell you, if you're married, you feel free to be romantic on Saturday night. And if you want to wear a suit or you want to wear shorts, wear them. Amen. See, that was missing the whole point, but he was a great guy. If you're taking notes, worship means surrender. Worship means surrender. That's the New Testament word means surrender. That can happen in a song, or you can have a beautiful song that's not worshipful at all. You can have a great sermon or a decent sermon that's not worshipful, just good oration. The most worshipful times should be the invitation when you and I are saying to God, here's my heart, God, take it. That's what worship is. Worship, the picture of worship is a dog sitting in its master's feet, licking its master's hand. I want to ask you this morning, are you religious? Are you here to worship? Are you working through your, your problems with other people? You're always going to have them. Are you working through them? Are you singing with passion? Well, I don't know the song, and I don't like that type of music. You're missing worship. You're missing worship. I don't like what the preacher's saying. You're missing worship. If it's not against the Bible, you're missing it. You see, we play games with God when we act like we're worshiping when we're not. Is our worship sincere or insincere? Here's a fourth question. Are we listening to God? Are we really listening to God? Verse 6 through 10, why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why are you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but you refuse to do what's right. If you do, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eagle to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And afterwards the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother in Abel? And Cain's famous response, and this translation it says guardian, but it's the one that most of us know, am I my brother's keeper? 1991 in the Alps Mountains in Europe, two hikers found 
an unbelievable discovery. It was a, the skeletal remains of someone who had been murdered, shot in the back with an arrow. And archaeologists said this guy was 5,300 years old. And they said this is the oldest murder victim in history. No, no, no. The oldest murder victim in history is Abel, killed by his brother. Alexander McLaren was a great preacher in another generation. Listen to what he said. This is so peculiar. The first act of worship in the Bible is followed by the first murder in the Bible. The first act of worship in the Bible is followed by the first murder in the Bible. I tell you, I've, uh, not here that I can think of, but I have in the past. I've left church services wondering if someone might kill someone in the parking lot. Kind of missed God there, haven't we? What's God trying to say to you this morning? See, listen to what God's saying to Cain. Cain, do right. You can do right. You've got to do right. If you don't do right, it's going to go bad. And Cain blew God completely off because when you're playing games with God, you don't want to hear what God says. You don't want to hear it through a song or a sermon, through the Bible or through the Holy Spirit. And God is trying to speak to you this morning. Gamers don't want to hear it. If it goes contrary to what you want to hear, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I understand. I'm the same way. There was a lady who was suffering terrible depression. And she began to ask God from her bed, speak to me, God, speak to me. She began to hear a whisper in her heart, get up and make your bed. Get up and make your bed. She, that's not God. God doesn't speak that frivolously. That, that's not God saying it, that to me. She said after the fifth day, she heard that voice. She said, that's God. She said, I got out of bed and I made my bed. And so the next day I got out of bed and I made my bed. She said, that saved my life. Because God knew I needed to get up. And God knew if I made my bed, it was going to be harder to crawl back in my bed. God may be saying something to you this morning that may save your life. It may save your marriage. It may save your reputation. It may get you to heaven for some of you to hear what he's saying. For some of us, it may turn us around and change our, our walk with him. Will you hear what God has to say? Someone said the highest compliment we pay anyone is to listen to him. Isn't that the truth? Will you listen to God? See, people who play games with God, we already know, right? I mean, we've heard the sermon. We're smart. We're int- we don't need to hear what God has to say. We listened to a podcast this week. We don't need to hear what my connection group teacher or preacher here in Ruston says. That's a gamer. Are you listening to God this morning? And, and the next thing I would ask you is this. Are you trying to do God on your terms? I've been in Ruston 15 and a half years. Does that make me a Rustonite or do you have to be here 45 years? 80 years? That's our problem, isn't it? We, we want to do God on our terms. I, I won't read all this again. But when you're careless with the things of God, when, when you don't give God your best, when you're insincere in your worship and you don't want to hear God, the fundamental problem is, is we want to do God on our terms. We, we want to come to church or read our Bible or give or pray or worship or serve on our terms. 
And the whole idea that Jesus being Lord, you know what Lord means? It means master and ruler. And see, if you're going to follow Christ, it means you're allowing Him to be Lord, not yourself. I want to ask you, be honest with yourself. Are, are, are you doing God on your terms? Do you have God in your box this morning? And you, Are you pulling the controls on God instead of Him controlling your life? Louis C.K. is a... Louis C.K. is a comedian, and I, I, I don't listen to him. I don't know if I've ever listened to anything he said. I know he's supposed to be pretty vile. This, this was something he said, a quote, several years ago. It, it's pretty profound. He said, I have a lot of beliefs, but if I want to do something that is contrary to those beliefs, I never let my beliefs get in the way of what I want to do. I don't know how much you've kept up with him recently, but he's been in mega loads of trouble in the last few months, primarily because maybe he knew better, but he did wrong anyway. I wonder how many of us know the right things. We just go ahead and do the wrong things anyway. We don't want our beliefs to get in the way of big, bad me. That's doing God on your terms. That's playing games with God. This last December in Wichita, Kansas, some young men were arrested. They'd been playing a game. They call it swatting. And I'm sure there's different ways they play this, but it's not, this is not recommended ever to do this. It would be terrible. What they do is they, they're at different locations competing against each other. They try to make a 911 call without being identified where it's coming from, and they try to get a SWAT team sent to an address. And if I can get the SWAT team sent to Merrick's house instead of Merrick getting sent to mine or Josh's, whatever, then I win and they lose. Well, on this particular evening, one of the guys playing the game gave the 911 operator an incorrect address. The SWAT team goes to the wrong house. Instead of the guys coming out and saying, oh, this was a mistake, something happened, and this one of the SWAT team members killed a person in that house, an innocent person in that house. And you can bet those guys were arrested and are facing serious, serious prison time. For that, you see, playing a game with the SWAT team and the police is not smart. But playing a game with God is even dumber. It's it's an absolute game that you're never going to win, and it's not even close to being for our best. I want to challenge you this morning. Really get real with God today. Really get real with God today. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I I pray, I've prayed this week that you would make a decision to put everything in your life under God. Will you do that now? You're here today and you're not a Christian or you're unsure, but you're ready to give your life to Christ today. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. 
Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a second. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. You just ask Jesus in your life, are you ready to do that? I'll talk to you after church if you're not comfortable walking down an aisle. Or you come right now and give your life to Christ. Don't leave the building without settling that with God. Maybe you'd like to join the church. We can do that after church too. Or you can come when we stand and join us this morning. God's leading you to do it. Come and do it today. You're a Christian here. Some of you are doing very well with this. Keep it up. Others of us are struggling. If we're honest, we're playing games with God. We're doing it on our terms, not His. Man, where you're standing or at the altar, praying with the minister, say to God, God, forgive me. Help me to get right wherever it is I need to get right. And God, I want to really be real with you moving forward. Let's stand. You come as we sing.